0: Hey there ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. P with Mr. P Explorers, and if you are tuning in right now, you are back for yet another episode of Mr. P's Tales from the Road. How are you doing? It's an awesome, awesome Labor Day weekend here. We have a three-day weekend off, and it's a beautiful blue sky here in Cleveland. I hope wherever you're at, you're you're getting ready for an awesome weekend of cookouts. I know I am. It's Oktoberfest weekend, and you know what that means. Uh, I will be heading out to the uh, Cuyahoga County Fairgrounds for some beer and some polka and some shenanigans, and I'm excited about that. I got my Alpine Camp ready, I got my steins ready to go. It's gonna be an awesome weekend. Uh, it has been a fun week so far. I, I, you know, you guys hear this often from me. I talk about uh, the work that I do. I teach, right? I have. 113 kids this year and so far this year it's been pretty good i'm knocking on wood but it's been amazing so far and i really hope it's going to be a good year so uh good news on that front uh again i hope you guys have had a great week it's been a pretty decent week here in ohio so this weekend's looking like it's going to be a little hot but uh you know get out there get some exploring in and uh looking forward to seeing what you guys get uh, it's been this this past week has been a technological nightmare for me. Uh, as you guys know, I got a new computer lately, recently, and I finally got all the the, the bugs worked out of it. And I was I was, it was things were working really great. Uh, you know, I had this whole souped up computer built to do editing and all of that, um, and it came with Windows Eleven. I'm gonna tell you guys right now, Windows 11 is garbage, <laughs> because uh, it did an update and uh, you know it asked me if I wanted to do something called efficiency mode, which apparently shuts certain things down when you're not using them and it makes the computer run faster, so they say. All right, so I did this update and what happened? Everything slowed down, the internet barely worked, uh, it was a disaster. So uh, you know, doing the only thing that I knew how to do, which was do a restore point to let myself go back to before the update, I figured, you know, that would hopefully take care of the problem, and how wrong I was, because as soon as I did that, uh, it totally corrupted the Windows system, and nothing worked. Uh, the computer wouldn't, wouldn't do anything, I had a blank screen with a cursor, and that was it. So I had, to, I had to carry this thing all the way back to the place it got built, spent another $120 having them figure it out, and having them redo everything, and it was just a real pain in the ass. Uh, But finally, I got got the computer back, and we brought it back home, and as soon as I hooked it up, we realized that the internet was down. Uh, Our our local provider decided, uh, you know, for whatever reason, there was some kind of huge issue, and all over the neighborhood we had issues with computers, so... I could not hook up my computer for several days. Uh, it was very frustrating. you don 't realize how much you do on these computers until they don 't work anymore, right All the editing and 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 the show right i can't i can't do this without the computer. so you know it was frustrating, but we are back, and, and that 's kind of why i'm i'm doing this on a Saturday morning and not on a Thursday afternoon, like I normally would. Anyway, uh, so there's that, and uh, I, I did I have some bad well, kind of bad news. This came in the other day, and I wanted to make mention of it because it just it, it, it's uh it's just one thing after the other. uh in Detroit, some news came through about a fire at a specific church, uh St Agnes Church. Um, for whatever reason, someone decided to start a fire in the building. I don't even know what they set on fire. The only thing I can think of that they set on fire was a piano that everybody's been shooting lately. Yeah, there's this there's this piano that somebody brought in. Uh, I, I believe it was for a music video. That was what I was told. Uh, so they brought this in and they did it, and 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 people have been shooting it, and that's probably what got torched. I'm guessing. I don't know for sure. Um, but the the, you know, the fire department was there, and you know all all that does, gang, is bring attention to the building, and you know what happens then? It gets sealed up, and then nobody can enjoy it. Nobody can go in and shoot it. It's off-limits until somebody breaks back in again, all right? So, uh, you know, if you're the one out there doing that, knock it the hell off. Stop. Stop setting fires to things. I know it's cool and edgy for your TikTok videos, you know, if that's what indeed happened. All right, stop Stop trying to be edgy. No one cares, all right? Go in there. If you're really truly an explorer, go in there, take your pictures, enjoy it, and then leave. And don't touch anything. You know, don't break anything. Don't smash windows. Don't set fires. It's a very simple concept, All right. <laughs> it's, it's not hard um, You know it, I don't know So that's just me I guess that's me being an old crusty man Shouting at clouds But you know That's that's my situation here I, I, I don't I, I can't understand why people set fires in buildings I just don't get it But uh, hopefully I no, I haven't heard from anybody yet How the building is I want to assume it was a very small fire there's not really anything else that can burn in there, uh, it's all rubble and, and cement. So, we'll see. I'll keep you guys posted. But, uh, anyway, today's episode, um, is kind of a different episode. Um, and it has to do with in- all things industrial, especially in this area of the Rust Belt. You guys know me, I have this love for industrials. I swear to God, at one point, I was a, a factory worker and I got reincarnated as what I am now, right? And I just every time I go into an industrial building, I feel like I'm at home, right? Um, You know, any kind of abandoned factory. And there there's so many of them around here that are over a century old. The Rust Belt is thick with them. You know, you got them in Chicago and Buffalo and Cleveland, Gary, you know, anywhere, you know, along the coasts of the Great Lakes. And nowhere more than Detroit. All right. And at one point, Detroit had the most industrial uh, abandoned buildings of of all time. Um, And after the big collapse of 2008, so many of these factories that once were working were left empty. And a lot of them were torn down, you know, sadly, as we know. Uh, you know, we've all had the opportunity to explore many of them, and if you, you dive back into the exploratory exploits of older Detroit explorers, such as Nailhead or Detroit Unseen, just to name two, all right, you can see what so many of the factories industrial complexes that were torn down, you know, in the, in the 2010s looked like uh, before they were torn down. Um, and I, in fact, if you can get to, to see some of their stuff, I would definitely do that. Nailhead site is, is a treasure trove of old photos of places that are now no longer there. Um, but, you know, so many of these places share some common features, and you all know what I'm talking about when I explain the details, right? You go into these factories, and they've got the reinforced concrete floors and walls, you know, big, thick, monster walls. Um, you've got these fluted columns holding up the buildings, right? These long, long stretches of floor, uh, and and on both sides, usually you have these beautiful window areas that would would have gone all the way down the sides of the building before everybody broke the windows out, um. You know, think, think, Fisher, think, uh, you know, Packard plant, that kind of thing. Uh, that's the situation. All these factories look very much the same, all right? But did you ever ask yourself where this style of factory originated? You know, where did this come from? You know, why does why do they all look the same? Well, it evolved right in Detroit itself. But the genius behind them came mostly from the brain of one man in particular an architect who became known as the Architect of Detroit. And I say that in capital letters. All right, the name of this guy is Albert Kahn. All right, if you've never heard of Albert Kahn, today is the day. Uh, The history teacher in me is going to learn you a little something about good old Al, the man himself, where he came from, why he was so important, and why his designs were so successful uh, to the fact that we're still exploring them today. You A hundred years later, we're still roaming around his buildings exploring them. And there are many that have been saved. We'll talk about a couple of them today, all right? So Albert Kahn was born on March 21st, 1869, to a Jewish family in Raunen, in the Kingdom of Prussia. This was Germany before there was even a Germany, right? Germany didn't even exist as a country yet when Al was born, all right? And his name, as I've been reminded so many times, is not spelled C-H-A-N. All right, he was not a Mongolian warlord, nor was he in any Star Trek movie where William Shatner cheesily yet angrily yelled his name, right? Khan! No. All right, it's spelled C-A-H-N. And I've been reminded by so many a Detroiter, because I keep making that mistake whenever I post his name. I, I spell it in the other the other way. All right, that's not how you spell it. So I apologize, Detroit, for misspelling his name so many times. All right, this guy... Uh, you know, he, he started his life in Germany. He received uh, his early education at a school in Luxembourg, which is nearby to Germany. Like It's a small little country. And at age 12, 1881, Khan's dad uh, decided to immigrate to the United States. He brought his family to Detroit, and that is where they settled. Uh, his dad, Joseph, was trained as a rabbi. Alright, so they're a Jewish family, and he ran a restaurant, okay, so he was a rabbi, he, he's pulling double duty. Uh, his mom, Rosalie, had a talent for the visual arts and music, so she, you know, was into the arts. Uh, he had four brothers, uh, a guy by the name of Moritz, who became an engineer, and his younger brother, Julius, who was also an engineer and inventor, who's later going to collaborate with him and do some crazy stuff, and in, in, they're going to form an architectural firm together. Uh, and they had a bunch of sisters as well. I couldn't find any information on the sisters. You know, there was no names. I don't I don't know, you know it was a hundred years ago, I guess, but rather large family in Detroit. All right, so he 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 landed in Detroit and quickly learned English. He went to the Detroit public schools. Um I, I was not able to figure out what schools he went to or if any of them were buildings that we've been to. It'd be kind of kinda of cool to know that. I don't know. Uh, money was tight, obviously. This is the eighteen hundred late 1800s. So, as immigrants, they got you know whatever scrap work they could get. You know, like I said, Dad was working a restaurant. So, Al, uh, Albert, uh, had to contribute some too at the young age. He was 12, and um, you know, 12, 13 years old, and he got a job, basically working as an office gopher. All right, he was he was a gopher, um, and later became an apprentice at the John Scott and Company uh, architect firm. All right, so that's kind of where he started getting some of his skills as an architect. He, he kind of started off there. Somehow, he got fired. Don't know how. Didn't say. Um, who knows? But in 1883, he finally got another job at the architectural business of Mason and Rice. Uh, this is the same guy that designed the Masonic Temple in Detroit. All right, So he got his, his initial architectural training from just kind of you know working his way up. And no, no formal training. He, he worked in, in, you know, you, you pick up what you learn from where you work. right. He just kind of soaked it up. And while he was working there, he designed residences. He helped design residences and banks um, for that company. And in 1891, when he was 22, he won a traveling fellowship to go wander around Europe and check different places out. Uh, He toured uh, he toured Germany and France and Italy and Belgium at that time with a guy named Henry Bacon. Okay, this Bacon was the guy that would go on to design the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. All right, so he, he, he held pretty good company as, you know, as a young guy. Uh, he married Ernestine Krolick in 1896. They had four kids. And again, I, I was not able to find any information on his kids. Um, there's not a lot out there on that. So I don't know what they went on to do, but he had four kiddos. Uh, as his career kick-started, he actually helped foot a big chunk of the bill for his younger brother, Julius, right, to attend University of Michigan. Uh, his brother went to University of Michigan, graduated from there, and became a civil engineer. So he helped his brother through college. Nice guy. all right. So Khan, in, in 1902, he actually, after his brother graduated, they hooked up in a partnership um, And his brother developed this really cool and novel scientific method of reinforcing concrete with steel. So that's your rebar, right? Taking the metal rebar and and, and incorporating that into cement and making it stronger. Right. It made it very easy to build things because the cement wasn't crumbling. So, you know, they received a patent or he received a patent, Julius did, and they named it the Khan System of Construction. And in 1903, they they began using that to build buildings. Uh, now, Julius uh, left Khan's firm, his his company, and be- began his own company to, to kind of mass produce this idea. It was called the Trust Concrete Steel Company, or TrustCon. TrustCon sounds like Dr. Evil's hidden, you know, hidden hidden lair or something. But anyway, uh, yeah, TrustCon and he marketed this product and everybody started using reinforced concrete. It allowed for big open spaces. You know, no longer do you have to have these small, tight You know factories where you know there's not a lot of room to move around uh you know you're not using wood beams anymore for to hold the whole thing up you're using cement and rebar which is what we see today all right so he kind of set the pace for what we got going on today these guys were pretty innovative all right and he is going to work alongside his brother albert to use these things and, and and albert will design buildings based on his his work so pretty cool all right no more wood construction all right it's a lot cheaper to build with concrete and steel and, and less maintenance. all right uh, you know fire was no longer a big issue. That was one of the big problems with turn of the century factories. you had fire issues constantly. Um, shirt waste you know in, in, in New York is an example of that where everybody just it burned to a crisp because it was it was a big wood building. right? Look that up sometime. It's a horrible story. Um, you know you, you could you could bear bigger loads, all right. You can put lots of stuff on the floor. you can set up lots of big machines. It's good to go. All right, Uh, so by 1905, hundreds of buildings in the U.S. were being constructed using the Kahn system. All right, Julius Kahn, he collaborated, and they built a whole ton of different industrial projects throughout the United States using that, especially automobile factories. And that's where we're going to get into the big deal here. All right, Um, so... uh, Perhaps the most famous, I'm, I'm sure you guys, I'm sure you've heard of this place, have, I've talked about it millions of times before, all right, the Packard Automotive Plant in Detroit, which opened in 1903, that was the first factory to be built using the con system, as far as I could tell, as far as I was able to research, all right, so when you go to Packard and you wander around there, that was the first place ever built like that. Everything else was modeled after that, so... Packard was groundbreaking. Packard was the first thing these guys put together. And it was gangbusters after that. All right. Now, Detroit's got a bunch of other buildings like that. For instance, like the Russell, the Russell Industrial Center. All right. And maybe you guys have been there. I know I talked about the Russell before. The Russell is a big, huge factory similar to Packard, not quite as big, but but still gargantuan. And It was built as an automobile factory. It was built in 1916, and it kind of built upon a lot of the things that they did at Packard. Uh, Russell's still open today. You can go to Russell. It's a big, a lot of artists' uh, studio space and stuff that you can wander around and look around. Definitely worth an afternoon with your camera. If you've never been to the Russell, you can park there and just walk right in and wander around. People are doing all kinds of stuff in there. Really cool place. I definitely recommend it. Um, So, I mean, there's a slew of others right, all built with the fluted columns that we see, right, and just these long lines of fluted columns, large banks of windows to let all the natural light in. The idea was to cut down on electricity, too. I mean, if you have these long banks of light, you don't have to worry about electricity as much for, for lighting, right? That light just pours in during the day, and, you know, you don't have to worry about it. Um, And it was also there to maybe make things a little more cheery for the workers, right? You have a little natural sunlight coming in. Everybody's feeling much better about their situation, even though it sucks to work on a factory line, right? There they were with some sunlight right um and it was just easier to rearrange automation lines you've got these big open floors and now you can move stuff around as you need to you can custom build whatever you need inside of your factory so this was groundbreaking guys this was revolutionary albert Kahn and his brother julius did some crazy stuff and without them we would not be here today we would not be sitting here uh with our industrial base All right, i just wouldn't wouldn't be there all right um now, you, you go around the country and you see buildings, you know, a lot of buildings that are built this way, but not all of them were built by Khan. He, he and his brother kind of set the pace, and then later you know, other architects would take that and, and, and run with it and, and design buildings that were similar to it. So not every building that, that looks like that was him, but a lot of them, you know, and especially in Detroit, are uh, there's a whole long list. We're talking like 900 buildings that he built in Detroit at some point, maybe even more. Okay, it was so efficient of a design that other designers were like, hey, this is awesome. Let's do it. All right. Um, now, he went on, his firm went on to design a ton of different things, you know, not necessarily all industrial, but mostly. Uh, one of the big ones that he designed that, that, that's one of my most fascinating, favorite, fascinated buildings is the Art Deco building, the, Art, the, the, the Fisher building, the Fisher building in Detroit, which is in the new center in Detroit. If you've never been to the Fisher building, uh, you need to go there. We're talking 28 stories, uh, 28 stories of just Art Deco gorgeousness, if that's even a word. All right, Uh, I'm not talking about the factory. I'm not talking about Fisher Body. Uh, We're talking about the Fisher Building, which housed the the, the corporation, Fisher. All right, this place is 28 stories, and when you walk in, it's got this big uh, open arcade of two floors of offices and shops and just, you know, marble and uh, art deco everywhere, the mosaics and the the painting. Oh, you got to go. All right, on a Sunday, when it's cold out, head over to the Fisher Building, just find some parking, walk in. And they don't even care. You can bring your tripod in. They don't care. Um, security guards are a little weird about going upstairs. I don't know why. They don't like you going upstairs on a weekend when no one's around. But you have to kind of sneak up there. So just kind of, you know, don't be seen. There's plenty of elevator you know, areas where you can go up and not be seen. Um, just be quiet when you do it or the security guards will come a-running. Uh, don't ask me how I know that. Anyway, uh, you know, in 1929, the Fisher Building was awarded this silver medal by the Architectural League of New York, so a big deal, all right? Uh, from seventeen, uh, 1917 to 1929, uh, Kahn's firm designed a ton of corporate headquarters for all three of the major Detroit newspapers, so all of the different newspapers, he built their headquarters. He built the first big headquarters for the General Motors, not the one that's there today, but the, the, the original, all right? And, and when it was finished in 1922, it was the second largest office building in the world, so... You know, Detroit at one point had the tallest building in the world uh, for, for a little while. I'm sure New York quickly overtook that. All right. Um, this is kind of crazy. Hear this. You can listen to this. All right. His, his work was part of the architecture event in the art competition at the 1928 Summer Olympics. Yeah. Back in the day, the Olympics weren't just sports. They had, you know, they had a b- big building design was actually an Olympic sport back then, if you can dig that. All right. So imagine, you know, Albert Kahn, this little this little Jewish German guy just kind of standing there, you know, with his medal. And yeah, on on the first tier of the of the, you know, where you stand for the the medals, that would have been him. All right. Pretty crazy. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that was part of the Olympics back then. They had all kinds of crazy events that weren't what we're used to today. So pretty interesting. All right, um, now, two of his favorite buildings that he built uh, that, are, that are kind of still public buildings in Detroit that you can go see uh, was the Temple Bethel, which was his home... He, he built his home synagogue, basically. He built that in 1903. It's now part of Wayne State University. I believe it's the Bonst. I think you pronounce it Bonstel? I think it's Bonstel. If I got it wrong, Detroiters let me know. Bonstel Theater used to be his synagogue, so you can actually go there and check that out. Also... The Belle Isle Aquarium and Conservatory, one of my favorite places to go in Detroit on a nice day. All right, Belle Isle Aquarium is amazing. It's not a very big aquarium, but the way it's built, it's all Albert Kahn. So that was built in 1904. So if you're ever on Belle Isle, check out the aquarium and the conservatory, this big glass dome with all kinds of tropical plants in it. It's amazing. Definitely worth going to check out. All right, now, around this time, this is when the big boy, Henry Ford, became interested in Khan's stuff, right? He realized the benefits of what Khan was up to, and uh, he started having he started commissioning Khan to design all kinds of buildings for Ford. So, the Highland Park Ford plant in, in Highland Park, which is nearby to Detroit, in 1909, he built that. It's still there today. Unfortunately, it's all sealed up. Believe me, we've tried to get inside of it. Uh, it's not happening right now. Somebody that I know has gotten inside there and it's amazing and I wish I could get in there but uh, they watched the hell out of it for obvious reasons. It's a historical landmark. But, uh, you know, Ford was setting up his his manufacturing, his assembly line manufacturing style and the Ford Model T was getting built here and and Kahn had a part in that. In 1917, he designed the half mile long Ford River Rouge complex which is in Dearborn. That one I've never seen. I don't know if that one's still there. I don't know. I'll have to go look. But uh, it was like the biggest of its time. It was bigger than Packard. The complex was anyway. All right. Um, And just all over the place, he started building these factories. Um, He he built a ton of stuff at the University of Michigan, you know, probably at the behest of his brother, Julius. They built a ton of classic buildings at the, the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. So you've got Angel Hall, Burton Memorial Tower, Hill Auditorium, Hatcher Graduate Library, and the big one, his favorite of all time. And in fact, he said later on, Khan said this, that that of all the buildings he designed, he wanted to be remembered for his work on the William L. Clements Library, which was built in Italian Renaissance style. So you know they pulled out all the stops. Uh, he worked with a, a a sculptor, an architectural sculptor named Corrado Parducci, all right. I'm assuming he was I'm assuming he's Italian all right but he uh, he worked with Khan and and they pulled out all the stops and from what I'm told the place is beautiful I've seen some pictures I've never been there I may have to correct that soon I don't know if you can just walk into a university library if you don't go there I don't know uh, but uh, you know we're talking you know just just marble sculptures and and just just beautiful Renaissance style building all right uh, and Parducci worked with him Khan and Parducci worked on 50 different different commissions, you know, banks, office buildings, newspaper buildings, mausoleums for, you know, for families, hospitals, private residences. These guys were doing it all. Khan was in into everything. He built all kinds of stuff. It wasn't just factories. All right. And as World War One popped up, you know, as the century turned and World War One rolled around, he got involved in that. Uh, the U.S. government started to commission him to build, you know, ammunition plants and things like that, all kinds of government facilities. Uh aeronautical and tank arsenal plants he built tank plants all right Uh, and at that point he had 600 people working underneath him Um, and they were responsible for what detroit calls the arsenal america's arsenal of democracy all right they helped build the plants that fought those wars so you know they designed the the detroit arsenal tank plant i'm not sure if that's around anymore either the willow run bomber plant that was, uh, that was his last building. He built that in, in, in Ypsilanti, all right, which is just a little bit south of Detroit. Um, they, they were building B-24 bombers there, the Liberator bombers during World War II. That's where those were built. So he had a hand in all that stuff. Okay, uh, In 1937, they were responsible for 19% of all architect-designed industrial buildings. Okay? So that's quite a big chunk. You know, out of all the factories, you got you to remember, America was huge industrial at that point. All right, we were we were building all kinds of stuff. So you know, twenty percent of that—that's a huge number. All right, and in 1941, Khan had the eighth highest salary in the U.S. He was making 486,000 roughly d- dollars, um, and he paid 72 percent of that in taxes. So the dude was, you know, he was making big bank, and most of that went towards taxes. Thousand um, commissions from Henry Ford and hundreds from other automakers. This guy was just, he was so prolific. He was everywhere. All right, this guy was on fire. And uh, he he designed showrooms even for Ford Motor Company in New York, in Washington, D.C., Boston. I know he built a couple things here in Cleveland. There were a couple Ford facilities here he, he designed. All right, so as of 2020, there were about 60 con buildings that were on the National Register of Historic Places. Um, Of course, you know, the Fisher Building, uh, Ford River Rouge, the Edsel and Eleanor Ford House. So he built uh, Edsel Ford's house for him. General Motors Building and the Highland Park Ford Plant. They're all National Historic Landmarks, which makes them very hard to tear down, and hopefully it stays that way. Now, sadly, a ton of his stuff has not been preserved. He designed Cass Technical High School in Detroit, which... It one of the places that I wish I would have been able to see. It was a beautiful, massive, massive school. You know, this massive tower of a school. It was designed by a, a group named Malcolmson and Higginbotham. That <laughs> just sounds British. Higginbotham. All right, and built by Kahn's firm. They built it in 1922. Sadly, it closed, and they demolished it in 2011. Um, I know of people. I'm pretty sure Detroit Unseen. I'm sure Nailhead had, had, had done it. You can find pictures of what... Cast Tech looked like inside before they torn it down. I, I highly suggest you take a look at it. Go find it. It's amazing. All right. Now they they built a new Cast Tech, but it's, in my opinion, even though it's nice, it's not as beautiful as the old one. You know, you know, vandals had gotten in there and stripped it down, and it. You know, when they tore it down, it was a mess, like any other abandoned school in Detroit. But. Um, Still worth looking at. Nailhead's got some great photos. Go seek them out. I I, I highly push you in that direction. All right. Uh, the Donovan Building was built by him, uh, which was which was occupied by Motown Records, and it was abandoned for decades, sadly, and deteriorated. The city tore it down. Uh, in 2006, they had Super Bowl uh, the Super Bowl there, um, and they didn't want that being seen, I guess, so they tore that town to beautify the city. Not that that would have, you know, I mean, there was more than just that that would have had to have been done. But I guess they felt that building in particular would have been a, a, a bad look for the city. So they tore it down uh, in Kalamazoo. Uh, I guess the, the the big giant checker cab manufacturing plant where they built checker cabs was 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 built there. Um, they shut that down in 2009 and they leveled it in 2015. I would have loved to have seen that one, too. So this guy was huge in the U.S. He was building all kinds of stuff. But that's not where it ends, all right? Albert Kahn didn't just stop with the United States. Oh, no, no. He kept going, all right? In 1929, this is where it gets weird, all right? A little bit, all right? He signed an agreement with a a dude named Saul G. Braun. And he was president of of an institution called Amtorg. Amtorg which is short for, and I'm going to murder this, so if there's anybody that speaks Russian out there, let me know. Uh, Amerikanskaya Torghoffria. I think I got that right. That's what it's short for. Uh, it was the first trade representation of the, of the Soviet Union in the U.S. So they, they made connections in the U.S. to, to, to do certain things um, you know, with trading and stuff. And he signed a contract with the president of this thing. All right. And this is what he wanted to do. This is what this guy, this, this Saul G. Braun wanted him to do. The Soviet government contracted Albert Kahn's firm to help design the Stalingrad tractor plant, the first tractor plant in the USSR. OK, so the Soviets didn't even have their own talent that was good enough on the level of Albert Kahn. So they hired America's best to come over and design their tank plants and their tractor plants. All right, so January 9th, 1930, they signed a contract and they became the consulting architects for all industrial construction in the Soviet Union. All right, Albert Kahn was the consultant for everything they built over there. All right, so they're like, yes, come on over, we give you vodka. All right, and that said that he, he helped them build, uh, you know, all of their plants. This was before World War II, so I, I don't know past that, but... Uh, under these contracts, alright, d- during the Great Depression, Khan's firm basically set up a training bureau in Moscow to train and supervise Soviet architects and engineers. They 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 basically gave the Soviets, you know, their know-how and 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 the Soviets kind of went with that. So a lot of Soviet factories, I'm sure if we were to go over there, you'd see them be a lot like the buildings that Khan built. You know, based on the on, on the Khan the Khan design, you know? Uh it was headed by his brother. I mentioned Moritz earlier, his younger brother Moritz. Moritz and 25 others of, of Khan's staff from his firm uh, worked in Moscow on that. They trained more than 4,000 Soviet architects and engineers. And in their time, 521 plants and factories got built. Uh, back in those days, you know, the Soviets had everything planned out. as communism, right? And uh, they had this thing called a first five-year plan. It was basically everything was planned out for five years. And under that five-year plan... That's where all this stuff got built. So, Khan was all over the place. He was here. He was in. He was in the Soviet Union. I mean, this dude was 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 running around doing. You know, just I, I can't. This guy probably had some serious ADHD and just hyperactivity to get all this done. I can't even imagine. This guy had to have had some serious energy going on. All right. Now, Khan died in Detroit on December eighth, nineteen forty-two. Luckily, he didn't have to watch World War Two happen. Um, there was a staff writer for the Port Huron Times Herald newspaper in 1970 that called him the father of industrial architecture, which uh, that fits. All right. It fits. He was referred to as, as, as the architect of the colossal. They called him the architect of the colossal. Reader's Digest called him that. The Science Museum, the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia, recognized him as an architectural pioneer and they awarded him their gold medal. And likewise, the American Institute of Architects awarded him two of their gold medals for his lifetime work. Uh, there was a staff writer that estimated that his 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 work his his whole body of work was worth two billion dollars by the time he de- died in 1942. So this guy, you know, was worth that much. I mean, he he had built that much. Uh, the Committee on Sciences and Art at the Detroit Institute of Arts. Again, the DIA, if you've never been to the DIA, highly recommend it. It's an amazing museum. Uh, They noted that none of Khan's discoveries were ever patented. And instead, he made them open, basically, you know, open to anybody who wanted to use them to design their own buildings. So uh, other architects and engineers, that's where they got these ideas from and ran with them and, and built their own buildings similar to his. That would never fly in modern day, guys. That would never fly. Lawyers would have that. You know, they'd have their, their, their trade secrets and all that. That would never happen. But he, that's just how he was. Um, you know, he, he put he put all this stuff into the hands of the people building the, the, the factories for World War I and Two. So that's why you see so many of these styles of buildings around. Um, now, it's been noted that, you know, all these factories that were beautiful in 1920. sadly, around the 1990s, this is when all of them were starting to get torn down because they were, they were obsolete. Um, there were easier ways to build factories. Um, it was just becoming cumbersome to keep them maintained, and that's why a lot of them were closed. And, and you know, especially once the 2008 hit, especially in Detroit, they all just started disappearing because, you know, nobody wanted to buy them and refurbish them. It was easier to tear them down and build something new. But still, so much still stands for us to marvel at, right? We we can go to different cities around the Rust Belt and see his work and wander through them, which is a gift. Because if you've never been to an Albert Kahn building, if you've never walked through the Packard or the Russell or any of those places, you're missing out. You need to go check those places out. Even though they were in ruins, they're still glorious. And you you can see the genius that went into building these things. They're amazing. All right. So if you've never been to Detroit, you've never seen these buildings or you've never peeked around in your own hometown at some of these abandoned buildings, go check them out. Go take a look. Soak them up. They're amazing. All right. After 125 years, even though he passed away a long time ago, his firm is still around. The Albert Kahn Associates firm is still there. It's still centered in Detroit. It's housed in the Fisher Building. It's on one of the top floors and they're still cranking out award winning buildings all over the world. All right. Uh, so many of his original buildings are still intact and in use... Uh, you know, you, you can't even imagine that we could have done our industrial might without this guy. You know, the, he, the stuff that he put out 100 years ago, it, I mean, it just made us who we are. It's a big, huge chunk of our architectural heritage. You know, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a huge fan of of, of keeping that history alive, even if it's, you know, I know not all of it's going to get saved. I know it's, it's crazy to think that that will happen. But if we can save some of these buildings, we have to, because it's a reminder of what we used to be. So, Albert Kahn, in my in my opinion, is the man. This guy was prolific. He was huge in his field. And everything he did is still resonating with us today. So, you know, honor the dude. All right? <laughs> go, go check out his stuff. Um, now there's so much other things that he did. I, there's no way I could list them all or talk about all of them in one, in one single episode, but definitely check the guy out. I know this is more of a history lesson this week. I didn't really talk much about adventures, but you know, and my, I'm a history teacher. It's kind of what I do. Um, but yeah, this is, it, and, and again, it's kind of weird teaching while I'm on my podcast because I mean, this is what I do in class. And it's weird not teaching to an audience. Usually, I have I have students and I can interact with them. I'm kind of teaching. I'm kind of talking at you guys. I can't see you. It's different when I'm I'm, I'm in the classroom. So it's kind of weird for me to do that. Um, you know, but because usually I'm jumping on tables and and running across the room and throwing stuff and having a good old time. Um, so I can't really do that on the air. But hopefully. Um, you guys kind of got a spark of the passion that I have for this guy. Um, I didn't even know who he was until I started exploring. I didn't know. I didn't even know the name Albert Kahn, and it wasn't until I went to Detroit and found out all about the buildings there that I was like, "This dude. This I got to look more into this guy." So hopefully, I learned you a little something today on the show. All right, on this glorious Labor Day weekend, you know, talking about workers and in industrial uh, buildings. Right, it's Labor Day on Monday, so you know, please uh, take the day off. Enjoy. Spend time with your family. Go out exploring if you have the time. All right. Get get whatever you need to get done and, and have a couple burgers and a few beers and relax. All right. So that's that's all I got for this week, guys. Um, plenty of stuff uh, on, on deck for next week. I got a whole bunch of cool stuff coming up here. So please make sure you stay tuned. Uh, if You uh, have questions again, as always, please send them my way on on my Facebook page at Mr. P Explores and on Instagram or Twitter or wherever it is you follow me. Oh, I'm sorry. X. Right. Send them to me on X. Whatever. It's still Twitter. All right. So send me your messages. Send me your questions. Um, Of course, at some point we'll have another Q&A episode down the line. Anyway, that's all I got for this weekend. Have a blast. Have a great time. Relax. And I will see you in the next one. This is Mr. P Signing off.